0: If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just wanna talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Let's pray together before we hear our gospel lesson. Lord, we give you thanks for your presence with us. We're grateful for your love and your grace. We're grateful for a place to worship, for sisters and brothers in Christ who gather to worship with us. We thank you for each other, too, as we make this journey of life and faith. Lord, keep us focused on that which matters most, We pray now for your Holy Spirit to move in a powerful way as we open and hear your words to us from John chapter 12. Help us to hear, Lord. Help us to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We hear the Word of God from John chapter 12, the first through the eighth verses. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him, Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so, so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. This is the Word of God for the people of God, and so we say, thanks be to God. Now, this is one of the most vexing passages of Scripture to me. Um, I know this is not the point of the thing, but Jesus' words about the poor are so troubling to me. Jesus says, the poor you will have with you always, right? Jesus says, the poor you will have with you always, I just can't get my mind around what Jesus says here about the poor against God's promise in the Old Testament, there shall be no poor among you. God said that. Now, Jesus says this, how do we make the two fit together? Jesus says, you'll always have the poor with you. A little Greek work does help. Jesus is actually not making some declaration about poverty here as much as he is addressing Mary's lavish devotion. He's saying something like, Uh, You will rightly be loving and serving the poor always, but this is the week of my death. That's what he's really saying. It's a little different. Jesus is critiquing the words of his betrayer, Judas, whose hypocrisy knows no bounds. Laurie's right. He used to steal from the common purse. He stole all kinds of money from the poor, from Jesus. Mary offers to Jesus costly worship, Judas wants to know why the money wasn't given to help the poor. It is a lot of money. It's a year's wages. Imagine a year's wages for perfume. Jesus, Judas, excuse me, Judas asks a good question. Judas does that thing that so many of us do. He converts converts everything to that which matters most to him and analyzes the situation from there. I know about doing that too. I know a lot about doing that, especially about money. I worry about the highest and best use of money. I always worry about the highest and best use of money, whether it be at home or here or even in Gatlinburg. I worry about those things. I remember a little field trip our Doctor of Ministry group made about, I think it's been about five years ago now. We were in session up in Nashville uh, having our class when uh, Dr. Meeks, our leader, he's a professor at Vanderbilt, he told us that he had discovered a place where God was very much at work in a special way and he wanted us to see it. So that night, 21 of us loaded up on a borrowed church bus and we rode into the roughest part of Nashville, a part of Nashville I had no idea even existed. We pulled up to this little shotgun house with a detached garage, over the garage was a sign that said, Deliverance Temple, Deliverance Temple. The door was open and there were little chairs set up in rows, lecture style, so that we could listen to I thought, what is this? What am I seeing at the Deliverance Temple? I don't understand what's going on. As our little group walked up to the garage, we heard several loud pops, pop, 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 just like that. Uh, several of my colleagues scattered, fled, and fell to the ground in fear for their lives. And I just laughed at them. I said, oh, my goodness, hadn't y'all ever heard a car backfire? That was just a car backfiring. Shekinah, who is the lady who leads this ministry, said, oh, no, honey, that was a gun. (laughs) But you don't have to get on the ground unless they keep shooting. That's when you need to get on the ground. I thought again to myself, what? what is this? What is this? Shekinah told us about her work with drug-addicted prostitutes. We asked lots of questions. We had our notepads. We, 21 preachers, we made lots of notes about what she was doing. We met some of her clients. We saw their rooms in her home, a special room where some of them went through detox. We heard about their Bible studies and their rehab programs. It was really really quite moving, people were being delivered at the Deliverance Temple garage. That's what was happening there. We asked how we could help. How can we help Shekinah? She said, well, to be honest, we need some money. We need some money. Rent is due next week, and we don't have it. And I just spent $20 on snacks for (laughs) y'all. And we have one car that needs It needs new tires. So whatever y'all could do would be nice, would be helpful. If y'all could do something, that would be good. Well, of course, with 21 preachers, that sparked a lot more questions, didn't it? We said, well, who, who is your board of directors? Do you have a 501c3? Will these gifts be tax deductible? Is this the highest and best use? Is this the highest and best use of our money She kind of got frustrated, really frustrated. She said, I have never had this many preachers in here before, and I have never had these kind of questions either. Either help or don't. Maybe you folks need some deliverance. We ate our snacks, our $20 worth of snacks, and we thought about what she had said. Let me set the stage for this little dinner party, at John's Gospel, John chapter 12, just a few days before, Mary, Martha, and Jesus were rolling away the stone from Brother Lazarus' burial place. Do you remember that story? Just a few days before, they were confronted with the awful stench of death. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Do you remember that? Lazarus, come out. He said, Lazarus, come out. And what happened? Lazarus came out didn't he? He was dead. Then he came to life. Everybody saw it. The whole place was buzzing with news of this miracle. Now, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus have invited Jesus and his disciples to their home to celebrate. Martha is serving a feast, a delicious feast, while a crowd of curiosity seekers clamors outside. The chief priests were getting more and more nervous. People were already leaving them to follow Jesus, leaving them to follow Jesus, mainly because of his having raised Lazarus from the dead. They had already made their plot to kill Jesus. Now they were making a plot to kill Lazarus too. After all, he was the face, the testimony of Jesus' power. All this excitement and danger and plotting, all this is happening around Jesus while he enjoys this meal with friends in the sanctuary of their home. Then comes out the sister who always knows how to choose the better part. Then comes out Mary. Mary has $50,000 worth of perfume. She takes $50,000 worth of perfume and anoints Jesus' feet. She wipes his feet with her hair. The whole house is filled with the most beautiful smell. The intimacy of this sacrificial act of worship would have made everybody a little uncomfortable. Judas is so challenged by it that he lashes out about the poor and the cost of this act of worship, the waste of such an act. They're good words, no doubt they're good words. It's a good question. Judas asks a good question. He just asks it from an unclean heart. There is another discomfort that I feel as we imagine Mary wiping Jesus' feet with her hair while Judas hurls angry words at her. Matthew 6 comes to mind. You know Matthew 6, where your, where your treasure is, there your what? Heart, there your heart will be also. Mary has chosen the better part. She knows where her treasure is. Judas is awaiting his 50 pieces of silver to be added to all the other money he's already stolen. I wonder why, why am I more like Judas than Mary? Why? But we have to stay focused. If we're not careful, we get distracted by Judas, and that's what he was trying to do anyway. We get distracted by Judas, and we miss Mary's lavish act of devotion. She is aligning herself with Jesus, who is headed to the cross. We know that. Mary is quite literally anointing Him for burial, an act of worship which expressed the fullness of her love and devotion to Him. She willingly puts herself with Jesus, the suffering Messiah, the one who will change the world forever through the most confusing countercultural act of love the world has ever known in the face of her crazy busy sister, her famous brother, and her greatest critic, Mary kneels before Jesus and gives her most valuable treasure in the most humble way, while the world around her burns with anxiety and fear. She invites us to do the same. Shekinah finally told us her story after we got through with our snacks how she came to be in charge of Deliverance Temple Garage. She was a third-generation Nashville prostitute. Can you imagine being a third-generation Nashville prostitute? Made it through the eighth grade before she became pregnant and disappeared into the darkest parts of poverty. She was homeless and sick. Her mother died. Her son died. Her daughter died. She was All alone. Her addiction was the only thing that offered her a moment's peace. She got on the hard stuff, as she said. She did whatever she had to do to make money for that next fix. She was, in her own words, dead and wanted to be all the way dead. She found herself in a crack house one night. She shot herself up with enough to kill 10 strong men. She expected the end, only nothing happened. Nothing happened. She wept. She wept, broken, as she felt the presence of God and as she started to come back to life. She decided she would try again. She did. She tried again. She tried a third time. Shot up with so much of that stuff, it should have killed anybody. But she didn't die. Nothing happened. She stayed in that crack house with dead bodies for days. Finally, she heard the voice of a friend outside early one morning. Shekinah, Shekinah, come on, get out of there. I found somebody who wants to help us. I found somebody who wants to help us. That friend took her to an Episcopal priest called Sister Holly. (laughs) Sister Holly was a woman who understood these kinds of women because she had been one herself. She kind of got clean. She lived in the church for months. She studied her Bible. She worshiped God, and she got a good job. She came back to life, didn't she? Jesus called her out of that tomb. We wonder what it might be to offer to Jesus that which matters most to us, to align ourselves, heart, mind, and soul, with the Messiah who is intentionally choosing the way of suffering, humility, shame, and even death so that he might offer the whole world life. How can we invest our whole selves into the work of God, entering into the suffering of other people, As Jesus transforms us all, what can we offer that costs us something more than lip service? How might we let God turn all our anxiety and fear into something of great value, which we can then lay at Jesus' feet? Shekinah said to us, After a few years, God called me back to this house. To this neighborhood, he gave me a good job cleaning office buildings. And then he told me, Now, Shekinah, go get my daughters. Go get my daughters. So that's what I do. Every penny I make gets spent on these women. God has raised me from the dead. The least I can do is to put this life to use for him. Now, if you want to help, then do it. If you want to help, then do it. Don't be distracted by Judas and his money. This story from John chapter 12 is not about the money. This is, in fact, about you and about me and about where we pour out our treasure. This is about the highest and best use of your life and mine, too. Have we found it yet? I don't know. Let's find it together, and let's thank God for the Marys and the Shekinahs we meet along the way. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Thanks be to God. Amén.